All right, and welcome to another episode of Shire Health Chats, Locals Talking Health. I'm here with Luke Ireland, who's one of our resident psychologists in the area. Mm -hmm. Luke, welcome to the show. Thank you. So I was actually really stoked to get to sit down with you because you're sort of, you were here three years ago when I first arrived and you're a bit of an enigma, you know, you run the business, you, um, you've grown rapidly in the last few years. Like despite a pandemic, you've expanded your business. True. And you've also, you know, your golf game's not too bad. I think, so. <laughs> that's, that's nice. Yeah, that's, I suppose that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so um, look, give me an idea about who you are, where, you know, where you're from, what's your story? Where am I from? Um, okay, who am I? So um, I'm a father of four. Um, I've got four boys under 11, so what, 11, 9, 7, and 4. Um, been a psychologist for like 15 years now, uh, only in a private practice like the last five years. Um, I kind of did that on purpose, um, really so I could know who I was uh, before I did my own thing. Um, love doing psychology, as you acutely said. I love golf, love surfing, yep. sport, uh, mindfulness, and I think really coming into this... Um, Coming into 23, it kind of, with the pandemic and stuff, actually probably suited me, I think, um, because a lot of new school psychology is kind of pretty fluid um, and it's the kind of thing now where there's no real stigma around it anymore, which is great. So, um, yeah, I suppose, yeah, that's a little bit, a little bit about me. I want to go into something you mentioned there about stigma because I, I think some of our patient populations overlap quite a bit, which is the... True. Uh, the males who are maybe, they've got kids, they're in their 30s to 50s and they're dealing with family stuff. They've sort of let their own health slide. Uh, maybe they're a little isolated. Maybe they've lost touch with their tribe of school colleagues. Mm -hmm. And I see a lot of those. Mm -hmm. And I think you're often a good fit for those type of people. Um, Thanks. Where do you sort of see, like, where do you think we can help with men's health and mental health? Talk to me about that. Sure. I think um, probably like this. Yep. I think men talking, men, uh, men talking about these things, um, and probably really around, I suppose, education. Because yeah. I think a lot of the the further you go down the line, the less I think educated men are around what mental health is. The closer we're talking to people, you know, thinking about funny farms and like mm. if you look back not too far in time. Um, if you had any kind of mental health thing, then there was something wrong with you. And a lot of men tie their, I think, their esteem with how well they cope. Mm. And I think that's probably one of the most important things for men to be aware of, that being vulnerable isn't being weak. Um, and you roll back through kind of war times uh, where men, if they were sad or they were down, a lot of the time they just had to cope with it. Um, but I think if men talk about that and understand that you and I, I suppose as professionals, we... Uh, we feel as many emotions as other people do, mm. um, then we're more likely to be able to kind of, I suppose, take a lot of that uh, that distress away from men and help them to understand that they experience the same things that women do. Yeah. And I think, I think you're touching on something there. The word stoic is often thrown around. And yeah. I was talking to Dr. Ryan Barton recently about the word stoic and how it's been very maligned. And if you look yes. back at the ancient stoics, the Romans, they were all, they weren't really about just putting up with it and cramming everything down so you don't feel it. And I think the word stoic in some ways has been driven to be, oh, I'm stoic, it's fine, I can push through anything. Uh -huh. But that's, that really, 
you really see the impacts down the line of that. Um, tell me about your business. So you guys have a number of psychologists now, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to, can I talk a bit about stoicism? Oh yeah, dive into stoicism. I absolutely love it. So it's great. So there's a, a really awesome book. Um, it's called The Ancient Art of Stoic Joy by William B. Irvine. And I really? love talking about stoicism because I think it is misinterpreted. Oh, sure. um, so you used to think about someone who was stoic who just was non-emotional. But new school understanding of stoicism is that the stoics are actually really good with their emotions because they were so able to talk about things. Mm. And it was actually a big group of men initially who talked about stoicism because uh, women kind of weren't allowed to, unfortunately. And what I say uh, to men and women is actually that men probably went home and talked to their wives about it. Mm. And then they came back and then had the understanding from them. But for me, stoicism isn't about that. It's not about being non-emotional. It's about having a better relationship with your emotions, which is actually then talking about them. Mm. Um, so I absolutely love Stoic psychology, I think um, it can go pretty heavy. Um, mm. It can go very heavy around that, you know, we don't have much control over anything. Um, I think that we do have some level of control and we can predict the future is going to exist. Um, but heavy Stoics tend to say that we actually don't have any control over much at all except for the present. So, um, but I love Stoicism. I think it's a, a really cool thing. So, yeah. I think some Brisbane Broncos fans didn't see a future last weekend after that loss, <laughs> but anyway. 100%. That was Nathan Cleary uh, really uh, pulling it out of the fire and probably thinking optimistically in a spot when um, other people wouldn't. So, so uh, tell me more about what you do. Like what's an average day for you? What sort of conditions do you see? What's your scope of practice? And if you don't, can't deal with someone, who do you tie them in with? Yeah, right. Good question. Um, so my average day... Um, is I suppose pretty eclectic. So um, because I do NDIS work, so I'm NDIS accredited, I probably have four or five of those clients a week. I see a lot of professionals now, which is wonderful. Mm. So health professionals, ANVOS, police, um, you know, CEOs of companies. Um, I do some work with the dragons and the sharks um, as their club aligned psychologists, which sounds a bit funny because of the conflict often between those two clubs. Um, but I do align with that practice. So I see uh, that professional cohort. Um, I see a lot of, I used to do a lot of early psychosis work. So mm. in the pointy end of the stick, um, I have moved away a little bit from that because I have so many clients. Um, but I really see just about anyone. I know that sounds strange, but um, been doing a lot of stuff with young fathers, which is fun, young mums. Um, yeah, really just about anybody. And if, there's a, uh, I suppose, a presentation that isn't really aligning because sometimes you have conflicts. Sometimes people don't like talking about it, like a different you know, personality clashes. Um, I just really quickly say to that person, it doesn't look like it's working. Yep. And then either refer to um, another one of our psychologists or um, another another group of people who's going to support them. So, so I, like, I like that term. I like, I like the fact that you're a generalist because, you know, there is a need for more generalism. Like people can often get pinholed down to a very specific interest. Uh, so I like that you're a generalist and you're happy to refer because a lot of people think once you've been referred, you know, that's it. But often people don't match personality-wise, yeah. and that's okay. There's a process usually we go through in order to get you, you know, one of our patients to you. It's called a mental health care plan. Uh, people book in to see us. They do a half hour deep dive into what's going on, and then we refer them on. Uh, appropriately to someone who we think fits. And that's what a lot of what we do on our end is, yes, we can cancel people. We're not as good at it as you. It's what you guys do. 
Um, and a lot of what we're looking for is who's a good match. So we're trying to work out personality-wise, history-wise, who's a good match. And it's really good that you guys have multiple people that they can facilitate. Mm -hmm. What do you think's coming in Australia? Mental health care, you know, mental health presentations are the, the most common presentation in general practice. So we've obviously got some work to wow, do. I didn't know that. Where do you see the future going with mental health work and what, what do you think's coming for us? Yeah, wow. Um, well, I, I would kind of hope that it, the utility, obviously, of the mental health care plan um, is that it can be provided to so many different presentations. Oh, so yes. we have the, you have the capacity as a GP to sit there and go, actually, yeah, I'm doing this work with you. And I think hopefully, or not hopefully, I know actually that, especially in this practice, that it's like collaborative care. So you hmm. see a GP and you go, okay, cool, we'll work on this thing and then collaborate with a psychologist, work on that, and then we come back and collaborate together. I would hope that it went down the pathway that there was another category where just if someone wanted to that they can come oh, yeah. and, that they can come and see someone without then have to meeting a certain criteria to come and see us so like if you sit there and go actually this is a only i only want to improve on something i don't need to i'm not here for an acute risk I'm not here because i'm scared i'm not here because um i don't know really that i'm highly suffering that i actually just want to improve that if there was capacity for people to go and see psychologists um and or even in, in GPs as well, if you said they actually know it's just a 10 session plan, the likelihood is I think that mental health, the sickness, sick days would decrease, there'd be more functionality in spaces. And really, what are you looking at? You're looking at like, I don't know if it's $90 rebates, so like if it was like another $1,000 a year connected to that, I think the likelihood is that it would add value to the, the population of people as opposed to, to detracting from it. So really, I suppose, taking away some of the, Oh, some of the seriousness, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you psychology. <laughs> I think anyone should be able to, if they feel they have mental health concerns, walk into a psychologist's office and have access to care. I think because yeah. right now it is a process for someone who's already feeling vulnerable yes. and lost in the system or, or disempowered and they have to book to see a GP, they have to find a GP, they have to work out how to book for a mental health care plan. They then have to be referred on to someone else after they just poured their guts out to someone. Yes. Um, so that'd be really interesting how you could streamline the pathways. I'll try and take it up with the health minister, I guess. <laughs> <That> <laughs> I don't know good. when I'll ever see them, but uh, yeah, uh, that's a really interesting point. So we will wrap up soon. I just wanted to see if there's anything you wanted me to throw to you, anything you wanted to talk about or mention. Um, I saw your most recent post around walking on the beach. Were you at Cornell there? Uh, that was over in no, Brighton. Brighton, oh, close. I saw very thing. close. Um, I I remember like the first time that I went to the Black Dog Institute a long time ago, mm. and they had this um, one of the first times when they were saying to GPs it was mainly geared at GPs around exercising the mind and around the connection between like physical movement. Um, I just wanted to say that it was that it's awesome, mate, Chris. To see that you're driving these, uh, what you say, the blue spaces and the green spaces? Um, yeah, so, um, it comes from something Hippocrates said, which was, um, I'll paraphrase here, but if sure. you're in a bad mood, take a walk, and if you're still in a bad mood, take another walk. Yes. And that's, that's to, a quote that's 1,600 years old. I can't remember. I'm not good at history. <laughs> uh, but the, the idea is we've formalized it as 
nature bathing or green bathing, bathing or yeah. blue bathing. And the idea is that walking in nature is actually really good for the soul. And in the daily grind, we actually have lost that a bit. And there's, there's many things that we could talk about that we feel like we might have lost in society, that tribal mentality, uh, which comes back to footy, which is why people, I think, enjoy footy partly so much as it is a big tribe that you mm -hmm. join. But the idea of getting out in nature has evidence behind it. Part of it might be the light exposure or the exposure to the environment, but strong evidence for taking a walk to help with your mood. Not, not be all end all, don't get me wrong. There mm -hmm. are some people who need other things, but it, it can help. Yeah. yeah, nice. Have you, um, I'm asking you, like I do walk and talks on the Esplanade and mm. um, do a lot of these. And part of the reason how my practice is, uh, is a Cronulla as well, like here are we here too, is so I can do that. Mm. Um, is there any stuff, do you ever do any sessions out in the park out there or do you, are you I, able to? Or I think one of my goals for the next two years is to run a, a medicine in the pub uh, which is something some people have been toying around with, or a medicine in a in a non-traditional zoned area. Yeah. We, we went down to the Sutherland Hospital and went set up outside in the park there and just did skin checks and heart health checks. But I think transferring that to mental health would be very decent. Mm. And I know during the pandemic, the only way we could sometimes spend time with people for an extended period of time was to do a walk around the block. Um, some of us were quite hesitant to do that because of privacy concerns, but I have heard of oh. doctors who would take a walk with their patient in the open air to limit the risk of transmission. But I, I mean, I think there's a huge role for men's health groups taking walks to talk about things because, you know, folks, like we don't like to sit here and talk about things. We like to get up and do things as we're talking. We like to build a True. shed as we're talking through things. We like to, to watch the footy as we talk through things. So I think there's a huge role for that, and I don't yeah. know what that looks like, yeah. but I think that's something I'd like to do. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, I thought that was awesome because I was just like, when I'd seen years ago, literally GPs and in that space, like going, you know, how can we prescribe things that aren't um, actual medication and you're prescribing it down the line. Um, I just thought that was awesome because I do remember sitting in that space with a lot of perplexed GPs going, why are we prescribing these things? And then now we fast forward down the line yep. and then, I don't know, I come across a post and you're walking prescribing it. So it was um and I really like that. And I, I like the, just like the alignment, mate, to be, to be fair, um, between thinking and, um, yeah, for the opportunity. I've never actually, never actually been interviewed before. So um, it's pretty cool. Well, that is a waste. You are a natural, but you are also busy and I will let you run. So uh, thank you for sitting down. No it's always good to get a local talking about health. Sure. And you have a great day. Shire Health Chats is not specific medical advice for your scenario and you should always consult your regular clinician. Opinions are those of the individuals and not necessarily those of any affiliated organisations. We recognise the traditional custodians of the land